you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew's gospel, um, in chapter 6, we're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, there's various topics. And, you know, we've not covered every topic, but we've covered just uh, some as we go. And, uh, and, and so today we're going to land in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 19, where Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now in this passage of Scripture, Jesus brings to light some of life's realities. And one of those life's realities is this. We can all become mastered by something or someone. You know, we like to think that we're in charge, but sometimes we're really not in charge. We're just deceived. How many of you know that? And so, you know, uh, in verse 24a, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. To be mastered means having something or someone in complete rule or reign over your life. It's the dominant overriding force over your life. And sometimes we have a master that is controlling us. In fact, in Romans uh, gospel, in the gospel of Romans, or the the book of Romans chapter 6 in verse 14, uh, Paul said, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Now, according to Paul here, sin can be our master. Sin can be the dominant force over our life. Sin can be the thing that is ruling and reigning over our life. Now, the second reality is this. Whatever we become mastered by, that will we also be enslaved to. The Scripture says in verse 24a, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. No one can serve. To serve means to become in bondage to, to be submitted to and under the authority of. And to serve means really to be enslaved by. To be enslaved. So whatever we become mastered by, we become enslaved by. And so Jesus lays out these realities. And the third reality is whatever you become enslaved to holds your affection and holds your attention and devotion. And so in Matthew 6 and 24b, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for he will, he will hate one and love the other. Or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. So Jesus is saying, we all become mastered by something or someone. And we cannot be mastered by two things at one time, he says. You can't be mastered by two things. And whatever we become mastered by, we become enslaved to. And whatever we become enslaved to holds our affection and the devotion of our hearts. Now, the fourth reality is we can't be mastered by two things at one time. You can't be mastered by two things at one time. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said. In other words, our hearts have the capacity to only be mastered or ruled by one thing at a time. Only one thing. 
And we can be controlled and ruled by two things. You know, you've seen this show. This guy has multiple wives. And he says, oh, I love them all. I I doubt it. Because you can't be mastered by two things at one time. You can't love two things at one time at the same time with the same capacity. Your heart has only room and capacity to love one thing at one time. The fourth reality is we can't be mastered by two things at one time. You know, it's kind of like a chair. You can't have, you can't sit two people in the same chair. You know, you can only have one. And then the fifth reality is there are two predominant masters competing for the affection and devotion of our hearts according to what Jesus lays out here. He says in verse 24, see, you cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus makes it clear that the two predominant masters competing for the affection and devotion of our hearts is God and money. God and money. And so, you know, because of that, Jesus takes the time to talk about money more than he talks about hell. That's interesting. You know, in church, sometimes we, we cringe when people talk about money, but Jesus had no problem with it. He talked about it a lot. And so we are, you and I are being mastered either by God or by money. By God or by money. Now, what's the problem when we become mastered by money? Well, the Bible tells us there's a number of problems with that. The first one, the master of money will cause you to have many problems in life. And look at what 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, Paul says the love and master of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know, many times that verse is misquoted and they say money is evil. No, money's not evil. It depends whose hands it's in. Is that right? If it's in the right hands, it's not evil. It's good. If it's in the wrong hands, then now it's evil, right? But Paul says the love and master of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Lying, cheating, stealing, take advantage of others. Not money, the love of money. Now, the love and master of money will cause you to wander away from the faith, Paul said. He said some of them, some people, because of their love of money, have wandered away from the faith. Paul goes on to say, the love and master of money will cause you many griefs, many problems, many hardships in life. Not money, the love of money will cause you many griefs and hardships in life. That's enough right there to say, I don't want that. Amen. Come on, how many of you are with me? I don't want that right there. And so the master of money, number two, will cause you to fall into idolatry. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 5, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. And don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now, being mastered by money, I think you could agree with me, causes you to become greedy. And greediness ultimately leads to idolatry. And idolatry, you know, it's not 
when you, when you put a statue up in your living room and you put flowers at the base or food or whatever and, and you pray to, a, you know, a statue necessarily. Idolatry is when you love something or someone more and give more attention to than God. That's what idolatry is. Anything that gets more of your attention and affection and devotion more than God becomes an idol in your life. And the problem with greed is it causes you to love and worship yourself and the good things of life more than God, and it leads you to becoming an idolater. And as you read the Bible, any time they put away worshiping God and they begin to worship idols, their life turned upside down and it went spiraling downward. See, so one of the problems of being mastered by money is it causes you to be led into idolatry. You know, in our, in our currency, we say, in God we trust. Well, that's questionable. Right? I mean, just because it's on our money doesn't mean it's true, right? The master of money will cause you to betray Jesus. That's what happened to Judas. Some people have completely turned their back on the Lord. Why? Because a better paying job, regardless of where it took them and what price they had to pay for it. And so, you know, remember Judas? He betrayed Jesus. Why? Because he got mastered by money. The Bible says, did you know that Judas was the treasurer of the disciples? He was in charge of the money box. Did y'all know that? Let, let, me, let me read the scripture. John 13, 29. Since Judas had charge of the money. Judas was the treasurer. He had charge of the money. And somewhere along the way, Judas went from being in charge and control of the money to the money being in charge and control of him. Somewhere along the line. And so why did Judas betray Jesus? Judas betrayed Jesus because he got mastered by money. And, and the Bible says in Matthew 26, 14, then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. What was the motivation for Judas to betray Jesus? 30 coins, 30 pieces of silver. Jesus turned his back on Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, how much money would it take for me to turn my back on Jesus? You know, I think all of us maybe have a threshold. You know, they did a survey and they said, you know, how much money would it take for you to be unfaithful to your spouse? And they began to respond and they said, a hundred thousand dollars, I'll do it. Oh, I wouldn't do it for a hundred thousand, a million dollars, I would do it. You know, I wonder what's the price that I would turn my back on Jesus, that I would betray Jesus. You know, I believe this, that money can have a spirit on it, the spirit of mammon. And you know, our money either, either has the spirit of God on it or it has the spirit of the world on it. It depends what we do and who's handling that money. But you know, you know, it's, it's very common for people that are bookkeepers to start swindling money. Isn't that true? I mean, we see it all the time. There's something about having a bunch of money in your hand. It's something, there's a temptation there. There's a gravitation there. And here was Judas with the money in his hand, and he was in charge of the money. But one day he woke up and money became charge of him. 
And he betrayed his Savior. Wow. Isn't that sobering, saints of God? See, the master of money will keep you out of heaven. You remember that rich young ruler? And he was desiring the things of God. He wanted, he said, Lord, what, how do I tap in to the kingdom? And so Jesus, let, let me read it to you because it's, it's really powerful. Matthew 19, 16, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? I'm interested in going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to burn in hell. I don't want to be snatched into the fires. I want to go where the streets are gold, where there's no sorrow, no pain, no suffering. That's where I want to go, Lord. How do I get there? Verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the rich young ruler, this is what he said. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. You know, I think you could say the rich young ruler's riches kept him from surrendering his life to Jesus Christ. He became mastered by his money. The master money kept him from being mastered by Jesus. Do you know the same is true for you and I today? Money can be the very thing that keeps us from surrendering our life to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, why? Why is it so hard for a rich man to enter into heaven? Why? Because many rich people become mastered by money. It's all their life. It's all their world. That's all they think about. That's all they dream about. That's they go to bed thinking about it. They wake up thinking about it. It's their total life. Money, money, money. They'll do anything for it. They'll sacrifice anything for it. And it becomes their God. Jesus said it's hard. Now, listen, you don't have to be rich to become mastered by money. Say, well, I'm glad I'm not rich. I, I'm, I don't need this message. Don't even apply to me. No, you can be poor and be mastered by money. In fact, I think there might be more poor people mastered by money than rich people. I'm not sure, but there's possibility. Hey, how many of you know it's not how much you have? It's how much has you. Amen. It's not how much money you have. It's how much money has you. That's the root of the problem right there. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me today? Yes, amen. And so, you know, I, I never forget the story that Brother Adan told us. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's in a, a pastor in Honduras, and he has churches he planted all over in the mountains and everything. And he had this one pastor that was doing wonderful. And, and he was pastoring a number of churches, and he had to walk for miles to go from one church to the other. And he would walk miles to go check on the church, see how the church was doing, encourage the church, speak to the church, lift up the church. And he was doing so well, Brother Adan wanted to bless him. He wanted to help him, so he decided to buy him a bicycle so he would save him a lot of steps. Whenever he was on flat ground, he could use the bicycle and just go a long way without having to walk all the way. And so, do you know, he bought this pastor a brand-new bicycle, and as soon as that pastor got that bicycle, he backslid, fell away from the Lord, and went back into the world. Isn't that crazy? 
But you know, before we're too hard on Him, you know, we have the, we have the same possibilities, brothers and sisters. We have the same possibilities. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes we can just be, we can just be clicking along, doing good. God blesses us and we start prospering and all of a sudden we get gripped by the pole of money. We become mastered by money. And so listen, money has the greatest potential to replace God in our life. More than anything else. Money has the greatest potential. And so sometimes when you talk about money, some people have a problem. And listen, can I say something? If you got a problem talking about money in church, it's not the church that's the problem. If you got a problem, now listen, if we came up here every week and said, give, 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 then we got a problem. Amen? Well, listen, if, if, if we talk about money in church and you got a problem with it, I don't think it's the church that's a problem. Are you in agreement? So who's going to be our master? Is it going to be money or is it going to be Jesus? That's the question. Who are you going to serve? The God of money or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I think it would be better for us to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I get any affirmations of amen? Amen. So then the question then is, how do you keep from being mastered by money? Well, Jesus, I believe, gives us the solution in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, just a few verses up from where we just read. And he says this, Matthew six nineteen. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. So this is what I believe Jesus is saying. The key to keeping free from being mastered by money is storing up treasures in heaven. And he says in verse 20, store your treasures in heaven. And by the way, it's a safe investment. You don't have to worry about the economy. You don't have to worry about the stock market crashing. The world, the world economy failing. Thieves will not break into your house and steal it. The government won't get it. Amen. It's safe there. And then in verse 21, he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So if you follow along, Jesus says, store treasures in heaven. Give to God. Why? Because if you give to God, your heart will follow your giving. So I believe giving into God's kingdom is the antidote to being mastered by money. It's the antidote. It's the solution to being mastered by money. The question is, why does the Lord encourage us to store up treasures in heaven? Well, first of all, how many of you know he could build his kingdom without our money, but, it's, but he builds his kingdom with our money. Amen? But, you know, why does he encourage us, encourage us to give? Because he wants our money. Man, why does God want my money? God don't want your money. He wants your heart. That's what he's really after. He doesn't want our money. He don't need our money. He's got the greatest printing press that the government has ever seen. Amen? And so listen. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart, our affection follows our given. 
If you give to the Lord in His work in His kingdom, your heart will automatically follow your giving and turn towards the Lord and His kingdom. I believe this. People that have problems giving financially to the kingdom of God have a half-hearted commitment to Jesus. I'm going to say that again because I really feel this. People that have trouble giving financially to the kingdom of God have a half-hearted commitment to Jesus. Brother, don't judge me. I'm just saying your money represents your life. And if you can't give that to the Lord, then some of your life is not being given to Jesus. Isn't that true, saints? Isn't that true? And so, but no, we, you know, we got this mindset that, that, you know, the church... Is after our money. It's really not the church. It's the Lord. The Lord's after our money. I hate to tell you this bad news today. But we have to understand that the reason why the Lord is after our money is really because He's after our heart. And He knows if our heart is right with Him, everything else will fall into place. And He knows how much money means to us. You know, if it, you know for some people, it's not their money. It's their golf clubs. Oh, I'm meddling now. Man, I feel like I'm on thin ice. But you know, it's what matters most to us that, that the Lord wants us to lay down because He don't want anything to take His place in our heart. Amen? Or maybe shopping. Well, let me move on now. Okay. Where, where was I? Okay. All right. Is the back door still open? Okay, so listen, remember when Israel's heart turned away from the Lord? Remember? Their heart turned away from the Lord. And, um, and so the Lord comes and says, hey, you want to know what the problem is? It's in the last book of the Old Testament. It's in the book of Malachi. And we're very familiar with it, and we read it, and we quote it a lot. But I want to, I want to revisit it, and I want to show you something in Malachi chapter 3. Whenever the Lord's dealing with Israel, whose heart had turned away from the Lord. In Malachi 3, 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statues and have not kept them. And so he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. And he says, like he's reading their mind, and he says, you say, how shall we return? How shall we return? How, how shall we get right with God? How shall we get our heart back where it needs to be? And so the Lord tells Israel, their heart had turned away from the Lord. And then he asked him, you know, how, verse 8, he says, Will a man rob God? You are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse 11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the Lord tells Israel, the reason their heart turned away is because they quit giving tithes and offerings. He said, you started robbing me. How, Lord? You were holding tithes and offerings. And so he tells them, to begin again giving tithes and offerings. And he said, your heart is going to turn back to me. See, he's saying the same thing Jesus said in the New Testament. 
Basically, he's saying the same thing. Verse 10, he says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. So the heart of Israel turned away from the Lord when they quit giving into the kingdom of God. And his solution to getting their heart right back with God is to start giving into the kingdom of God, into the storehouse, which in that day was the church house. And so in Malachi, the Lord gives us two ways that we can store up treasures in heaven. Storing up treasures in heaven is what, what, what it, I believe means giving into God's kingdom, giving to God, giving into His purpose, into financing His endeavor, right? And so how do we do that? Well, I think Malachi lays it out. He says, first of all, in tithes, you are robbing me with your tithes. So I think he's saying, you need to go back there. Which is ten, the tenth part or the tenth of your income. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy 14.22, Thou shalt tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. He says, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to give God a tenth of everything you make. So why does God want a tenth? So that we don't get ruled and mastered by money. That's why. That's his only reason. He don't need our finances to do his business. Right? I mean, he could just call. I mean, he owns everything. How many of y'all know that? Are y'all aware of that? He owns everything. And if he decides he don't want what, us to have what's in our hand right now, he'll take that. Because he's God. He can do whatever he wants. And so he says, listen, I'm not asking you for nine and you keep one. I say, give me one, keep nine. Sounds pretty fair, right? And so in Leviticus 27.30, he says, a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord, it's holy to the Lord. Why is tithes holy? Because it represents our worship. It represents where our heart is with God. You see, in, in, in our mentality, our Western mentality, I think we, we missed the whole thing. He's saying, I want your heart to worship me and I know how important money, it's how you put groceries on your table. It's how you put AC on. It's how, it's how you got to make, make it in this life. So whenever you give a percentage of that to me, I know that means that you're giving me your best. You're putting me ahead of everything else in your life. You're putting me number one. And for that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to honor you for it. Amen. Notice the promise, the blessing of those who tithe. In verse nine, he says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast his grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the blessing and the promise is he would break the curse off our life. How many of you think that sounds good? And then he says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. How many of you say, that sounds good? And then he says, and he will rebuke the devourer. That's Satan. That's demon powers of hell. So it won't destroy your harvest. How many of you know, how many of you know grasshoppers can mess up your economy whenever you're a farmer? Right? And that's what he was talking about. He said, hey, I'm going to keep the grasshoppers off your wheat whenever you honor me. I, I can make them go left instead of going right on your field. Amen. 
And so he says, I'm going to bless you. Why? Because we're worshiping him. We're honoring him. That's why. He says, I'm going to bless you. And verse 12, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. And then he says, the second way to sow treasure in heaven is offerings. He said, you're tithing me and you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Offerings is anything you give financially to help further the gospel and the kingdom. And so in, in Malachi 3.18, he said, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? How? In tithes and offerings. So the Lord not only wants us to tithe, but he wants us to consider giving offerings into his kingdom. How many of you know that if I am the master and I got a program going on, like trying to win the world, and you help me to get the gospel to win the world, I'm going to think good of you. I'm going to really appreciate that. And so God is in the business of winning the world, sharing the gospel in every tongue, tribe, and nation. And anytime we're willing to help him, he takes note of that. And he will honor us because of that. Are y'all with me? Listen, he cares about the needy, poor people, widows, orphans. He cares about those. So when we put our heart into what he is into, that blesses his heart. And he says, whenever we sow into the kingdom, in the Old Testament, he talked to, uh, what is it, Haggai. And he said, listen, you go to work and you get your check, you put it in your pockets, and next thing you know, you can't find your money. You say, where's my money? Where did it go? He said, you got some holes in your pockets. And you can't find it. I know I put my check in there. Where did it go? And he said, you know what the problem is? You got these fancy houses. You got all these toys and everything. And you don't even worry about my kingdom. Paraphrase. You read it. And he says, that's a problem. He says, concern yourself with my kingdom. And I'm going to close up the holes in your pocket. Come on, this is good preaching. Y'all not saying anything. But it's good preaching, isn't it? It is the truth, isn't it? So listen, my friends, we need to get free from the master of money. How do you do that? In tithes and offerings, learn to give. And whenever you get free from the spirit of mammon, the spirit of this world, the spirit of greed and covetous, God will release all kinds of blessings in your life. And by the way, it's not always in financial currency. He said the true riches are learning the truth of the gospel and knowing what the Bible says. Amen. That's the true riches right there. Listen, there's no amount of money that can buy peace in your life. But when you got it and you don't have it, you realize the value of having it. Amen. Come on. God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Let's stand together. Let's close in prayer. So who are we serving? You know, I think one way to find out who we're serving is do we have the liberty and ability to sow treasures in heaven? I think that's a good indicator. Do we sow treasures in heaven? Because Jesus said that's the antidote from being mastered by money. Isn't that right? So let's ask God to release us and help us. You know, we could be doing good today and get messed up tomorrow. You know, at one point, Judas was doing good because the Lord picked him, right? But somewhere along the way, he got messed up. It's really when he got too much money in his hand. 
Oh, Lord, help us. You know, who was it in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, 31? I think it's Agar that said, Lord, don't give me too little that I want to go break into somebody's house and steal. But don't give me too much that I would forget about you. Amen. That's a good, that's a good heart right there. Amen. Lord, don't give me so little that I'll go break into somebody's house. But Lord, don't give me too much where I think I don't need you anymore. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this, Lord, this word that you've given us today. God, none of us are exempt. None of us are, are free and clear of being mastered by money. And Lord, you said we can't be mastered by money and be mastered by you at the same time. We'll either be mastered by one or the other. We only have the capacity to be mastered by one. Lord, today, it's our desire that we don't become mastered by money, but we become mastered by the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we ask you today, to Lord, to give us the grace that we need, Lord, to handle our finances, to handle our life in a way that will, Lord, that will be without, uh, without uh, question that, Lord, we are totally committed and surrender to your rule and your reign. That's our prayer today. Lord, may we receive your grace to be free from the master of money today. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.